Well, welcome to the Situation Report for Monday, February 12th, 2024. This is Lieutenant Colonel Murray. Shout out to Rich. Hoorah. And uh, thanks for everyone for showing up. Been a busy weekend. There's a lot of information stories that uh, we should talk through. But I want to talk through, before I do anything else, I want to give my full thoughts on the Tucker interview with Putin. Because there's there's so much conjecture. One of my admins, uh, Vasilius, did a very very good write up of it um, on his Twitter to his Twitter page, and I'll post that to the to the comments section of the channel. But it's it, extremely well done, extremely well done. And uh, 
his his thoughts um, echo some of mine. Um, I could add some to it. I think the thing that he he brings to the table that I think a lot of people either gloss over or they don't really pay attention to is the fact that he's got a deep knowledge of of history, especially in that region of the world, and he he looks at things in a in a way that I think is is it's worth consideration and it's worth you know doing the deep dive because i think the tucker interview broke the glass ceiling for a lot of different reasons and first i said in the in the last round table as well as the the um closing comments of the round table that you don't <clears throat> You don't leave this country to do something like that without the intelligence services knowing about it, especially the CIA. They will stop you at the gate if they think that you're going against some kind of an operation they're doing, national security, whatever the case may be. They will stop you at the gate and they will not allow you to leave. And he even says that in a follow on interview that's that's making the rounds on Twitter today. But the bigger context is not not the interview itself. It's what wasn't said. And Putin alludes to a lot of different things. An incredible amount of information that's sitting there he doesn't talk about. And now, you know, now you see people putting out um, pictures of him younger and pictures of him today and how... It's not the same guy. It's an avatar. It's a, it's a clone. Get away from all of that. The meat of what was said in that interview is, number one, the American president doesn't make decisions for the country. The agencies control the president. And that's significant for a foreign leader to say because he's making a statement that he's not making agreements with a president or with the legislative body. He's making agreements with the unelected bureaucrats, the senior executive service that runs the country at the agency level, and that there's no adult supervision at the agency level. That's significant for a lot of reasons, because it means the rest of the world sees us as a leaderless country that's being run by unelected bureaucrats. That is that is massive, massive paradigm shift. Prior to this point, nobody would have said anything about the president not being in charge or the commander in chief or the most powerful, the most powerful um, person in, in the world, the leader of the free world. All those descriptions gone in a nanosecond. And that's a that is a huge shift in not just the paradigm. But it's a huge shift culturally in the way that people look at our country and look at us as the leaders. Because up until that point, the, the world looked at the U.S. as leaders in not just you know opportunity, but in freedom of speech, the right to bear arms, all those things. And in one nanosecond, Putin destroyed all of that narrative. And then he also destroyed the fact that Clinton was an honorable person. He talked about Bush being an honorable person. That's questionable. I've seen that guy on VTC so many times during the war that I'm 
I was not impressed with him, Cheney, Condoleezza Rice, or the rest of them. And I like some of the things that Condoleezza Rice said during the war, but now I know why she said them, and it's a whole different story. And then the other thing he said, which I thought was very, very interesting, was he called out Tucker for applying to the agency. And thank God they didn't take you. That is a very... That is a very pointed statement for the leader of a foreign country to say to one of our reporters, basically calling him out in his own interview that you're CIA and that you're a controlled asset. There was a lot of things that came out of that interview that people dismissed. And if you look at the way the administration or the regime, depending on what you want to call them, the regime, they are all in damage control mode ever since that interview. And that thing's got 1.7 view, 1.7 million views just on Twitter. When you look at it from the information perspective, that's a win for Vladimir Putin. Win category, big time win category. Because he could have talked about a lot of different things, but he talked about the history of the region, which <clears throat> to Tucker's credit, he thought was stall tactics. Uh, Putin doesn't work that way. Putin does things for a very specific reason. And it's usually to benefit Putin or Russia. And Mother Russia means something to him. And for him to go in and explain how the country was formed from tribes means that he was trying to educate the world that we're we're a mix of different diversities, different ethnic groups, different cultures, and we came together as tribes and formed a country 1,000 years ago. And our history is rich, and we understand not only the history of our nation, but we understand the history of our region. And we understand how the rest of the world has viewed us. And he gets into that when he talks about, after the wall came down, being invited into NATO and then being shunned from NATO. All of those things matter. Because what he's saying to the world is not only do I know my history, but I'm going to make sure my history isn't rewritten by the West to obfuscate the things the West has done to hold us back from growth and maturity, which is essentially what he was saying. And then he went on to say in only a few words, but he said it without saying it, that the British Empire is collapsing quickly. And he used the West because it is all of the West that's crumbling like Rome. And you've heard me say that a hundred times on this show. I say we're very reminiscent of the Roman Empire before its collapse. And it's part of the reason why um, I think it's beneficial to go and get different opinions on the interview, to look at some of the historical aspects of it, but more importantly, to take a step back from it and look at what the guy didn't say, because he said a lot without saying it. And I think the most amazing part of it was the fact that he he called out Tucker for being a CIA asset, and Tucker did not change expression. You would think if he was if he was shocked by that statement, he would have he would have changed his demeanor even slightly. Instead, deadpan. 
huge conviction of the intelligence apparatus and a huge conviction of the people in that circle. Because where did it play first? It played on Twitter. It played on TuckerCarlson.com and it played on InfoWars. That should tell you that the intelligence apparatus is still in firm control of the narrative, which is exactly why Putin said that the U.S. corners the market in propaganda. He wasn't kidding on that. If you look at any of the messaging since Barack Obama came to office, all gaslighting and propaganda for over a decade. And you see the downstream effects of that when you look at the way the population responds to the orange man. That was the most effective information influencing campaign I've ever seen in my life. Orange man bad. Orange man destroy country. Orange man worshiped by people that aren't smart enough to do anything else. And you're seeing that narrative replay, replay, replay. Putin called it out. He called it out the fact that the intelligence apparatus and the defense industrial complex control the narrative across the Western, the Western countries. And that all of the media outlets are controlled by oligarchs. Said it without saying it. Yeah, definitely one in the win category for Vladimir Putin. Because he wasn't just, and this is the piece that most people don't pay attention to. He wasn't just being heard by the U.S. He was being heard across the planet. And everybody was listening to him. Everybody. And when you look at that, that that just that reach that he got for Twitter, not TuckerCarlson.com, because I don't know what the view count is on TuckerCarlson.com. And the the elite already tried to play it off as well, those are just those are just clicks. Those aren't real views. Now that thing's been watched. I watch I, I watched the whole thing the day it came out. Like literally as soon as I could stream it, I streamed it. And I watched all of it. Uninterrupted, watched all of it. And then I watched it again. And I watched it a third time. And every time I went through it, I saw something different. And every time I went through it, something different stood out to me. And most people don't even, they don't look at the second and third order effects of what was said. But the the most, probably the most damning thing he said was when he was talking about the pipeline. Tucker asked him, do you think this do you think the US blew up the pipeline? And he didn't come out and say it, but he said, essentially, who has the means and the motive to do that? Meaning, who has the means to go all the way to the bottom of the ocean to blow that up? There's only a few countries with the capability to do that. And he is absolutely spot on about that. Called out the CIA called out the Navy, called out the U.S. government without saying a word. And his his point was exactly spot on. There's not a lot of countries on this planet that have the capability to go to the bottom of the ocean and set charges and blow something up. It's incredibly difficult. And he called it out. And he called it, he, I hate to say it, but he called it out the right way. And 
his his comment about the way the 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 West handles information via the propaganda statement called out all of the intelligence agencies to a T. He didn't say anything about Israel, which I think is interesting, but again, it's two hour interview. And then you watch Tucker's follow up to the interview when he's still in the Kremlin and he's going over what he just heard. Doesn't say anything about being called an intelligence asset, doesn't acknowledge it, doesn't deny it, doesn't say anything about it. Very damning. And at the same time, he talks about the things that he thought he heard. You should all watch both of them because it's a it's a very pivotal moment. And it's really, if you look at it in the way I've described it before, it's a culmination point. We've we've reached a culmination point with not just our society, but with with our political establishment, our role in the world, and the way the world views us. We've hit a culmination point. I would say we've passed a culmination point. And I would say we passed the culmination point on November 8th of 2022 when the second election was stolen from the American people and nobody lifted a finger to change it. And all of that matters right now because we're watching the the establishment lose more and more and more and more and more control. And what do control freaks like to do when they feel like they're out of control? Exert more control. And how have we seen that? We've seen that in the rhetoric that's coming out of not just our government, but coming out of the Israeli government, coming out of the European governments, we're seeing all of that information and all of those narratives shift to, instead of saying you're conspiracy theorists, they're just calling it disinformation now. And it's because they can't debunk and, and call it a conspiracy because most of the time it's turned out to be true and they can't use that term anymore, which was coined in the 60s by the CIA in the first place. So now it's dis disinformation. And now you're seeing them pivot off of not just the Tucker interview, but they're pivoting off of other events that have changed in the last couple of weeks. And you're seeing them pivot now to the next major event, which there's been a lot of coverage, and this is right in the same wheelhouse, You've seen a lot of coverage of Google changing their terms of service and talking about what a critical event is and that they're describing what they're going to do in a critical event. Basically, they're telling us and telegraphing to the rest of the planet that there's a major event coming. I've said for a long time, probably for six months now, we're not making it to the 24 election because there's going to be some kind of a significant event that the elite try and perpetrate against us that will seem like it's a natural event, but it's really them precipitating it and it's going to fail. And you're seeing us being marched towards that narrative. They spend months doing influencing operations. And in this case, this influencing operation has been going on since 2022. They started in 2022 with the, with the whole, you need a go bag if you're in New York City, you should have some food and water, you should be ready to bug out if there's a nuclear or biological event. Remember that? That took the, that that started for about a month, month and a half, and then it shifted to you should be ready for any contingency. And now Google's changing their terms of service to justify not just banning people, but restricting free speech. And 
supporting whatever narrative they're going to come up with. You're seeing all of that come together with the UN or the, with the WHO treaty that they're trying to get signed that's, that's failing. You're seeing one failure after another. You're seeing high-level people being taken off the board or leaving for whatever reason. Today, it was, it was Austin back in the hospital, back in intensive care because of some intestinal thing. So let's, let's break down the narrative around that. First, he went in for prostate cancer, or it was either prostate or colon cancer, one of the two. And then it was a stomach issue, and now it's some kind of a some kind of an intestinal issue. They can't make up their mind what it is. Translation, he's probably already dead. And you're seeing the same thing with other key players that have left the board. And it's across the spectrum, not just here in the U.S. It's in Europe, it's in Canada, and it's here in the U.S. All of that matters because what it's painting a picture of is that the loose coalitions that were built before before COVID to enforce and put to put in place all of these control mechanisms so they could enforce a social scoring system is starting to deteriorate and break down. And people are either leaving because they see the end in sight and they don't want to be on the ship, or they see that the coalition is falling apart and they don't want to be caught in the crossfire or they're being cordially disinvited or not so cordially disinvited if they're being killed. But you can see all of that taking place right now. Just like you can see that they're trying to enforce laws now and, and trying to put laws on the books, like with this latest funding package. The, the story broke today that they actually put a provision in the funding package for Ukraine that if Trump tries to kill the funding for Ukraine, it's an impeachable offense. First of all, that'll never stand up in, in, against the Supreme Court because it's un, unconstitutional. You can't dictate that a president remain in a conflict when war hasn't been declared. Just like regulatory bodies, you can't delegate authority to regulatory bodies to do enforcement. And you can't delegate to enforcement bodies to do legislation. There's provisions in the Constitution for that. And they're, do, they're trying to do, do all of those things right now. And every single one of them will fail. Whether it fails today or tomorrow, it doesn't matter. But it's all going to fail. And when it does, you're going to see a lot more people abandon ship. And it brings up the question of what do I think that we're heading towards? I think we're heading towards a lot of things happening all at once. Whether it's pandemic, which today, the bubonic plague was <clears throat> front page in the Gateway Pundit. And last week, it was avian flu skipped to somebody in, the, in Asia. And the week before that, it was something out of Africa. And the week before that, it was somebody that had some kind of a parasite that's only found in Asia or Africa, and it showed up in Montana. I mean, it's, the narrative is building towards a number of different potential events. Here's the bottom line. They've wargamed all of this out for years. They've played it out in every possible contingency. Something is coming. We're, we're on, we're at, literally, we're on the threshold of the event horizon. And you can, everybody can see it now. 
it's not just those people that have been awake and a part of the alternative media. Everybody sees it now. And and I'll I'll give you a for instance. This weekend, I normally, you know, I normally tune down my my social media footprint on the weekends just to get a break from it. And this weekend it was hot and heavy with a number of different things. But the interesting part of it is even regular people that I that I haven't talked to in years are reaching out to me now. And it's funny when you're crazy until you're not. And the 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 interesting part of the stuff that I saw this weekend is it's people that are that were staunchly left that are now in the center that are reaching out to me. And literally the questions I got this weekend is should I have a bug out bag? How what should I have in my bag? Should I have my bag in my car? And these are people all over the all over the West Coast. They they know something's coming. They don't know what it is, but they know something's coming. And up until this weekend, I was crazy to a lot of these people. And now all of a sudden, they're not only listening to the roundtables and the situation reports, but they're now actively engaging me after years of silence and years of being shunned. And now I'm not a crazy person, which is amazing to me. But it tells me that people are starting to figure out that something really bad is coming and they don't know what to do about it. And it's not just the flood of illegals coming across the border. That is that is by far the least of their worries. And it, it, it goes, it's a it's a typical American response to something, right? If it's not on my doorstep, it doesn't affect me. I don't care about it. People are starting to care about it now because they're seeing that the life rafts in the big cities are not only overflowing, but they're running out of resources. And people are starting to bail out of big cities at record at a record pace. Even with 7% mortgage rates, people are bailing out of cities still. That's a significant change. Very significant. But it tells you the effect of some of the messaging that they've been doing. And, you know, the the piece that, that um, I find very interesting is they're not trying to counter any of this messaging that's coming out of um, the Tucker interview. What they're doing is they're doubling down on the race, the race narrative and the, the gender narratives and the sexuality narratives. And now you're seeing an open push for, for, for satanic symbolism across all of our media. It was so blatant at the, at the Super Bowl. I mean, that was a satanic ritual. That was not a football game. That was literally a satanic ritual that was laced with satanic messages that were intended to strike right at the youngest generations. The, the, most, the most influenced by information is exactly who they were targeting. It's no coincidence that Taylor Swift there is there and she is drinking and partying and carrying on She's got nothing to worry about. That is that is exactly the message that all of these satanic pedophiles want people to embrace, along with cannibalism. That's the, all these these definitions around sexuality. 
that's it's laced into everything. It's laced into every show you see, every commercial you see. I mean, all the commercials at the Super Bowl were anti-white, all of them. It was amazing to watch that. But I'm not surprised. So <clears throat> so let me answer some questions because you guys are blowing up the chat. And uh, so first thing is, Saint, I, I think this will be a couple of weeks that will stretch into potentially a month. They, they don't want to burn down the infrastructure. They want to occupy it. And what has to happen? Number one, they have to have some kind of event to try and regalvanize and instill fear in the population. At the same time, they have to distract everybody away from the fact that the Chinese are literally invading our country right now and taking over not only rural areas, but they're taking over big cities. And that's happening real time. They have to distract us away from that. They have to distract people away from the fact that they're going to cheat in the election if we get that far. So whatever is coming is going to be a couple of weeks, if not more, if not more so they can establish the, the base agenda and the base narrative for people to pivot off, pivot off of. If you look at the way they did COVID, they can't replay that scenario again because they, they stretched it out of, you know, shut down for a week to slow the spread, which turned into a month, which turned into six months, which turned into two years. People aren't going to buy into that this time. So whatever event comes out of this is going to be something that causes some kind of a stoppage, whether that's communication, logistics, whatever that is, there's going to be some kind of a stoppage. And this time it will be, um, it will be um, something that is going to affect thousands of people bigger than the World Trade Center. Could be an earthquake. It could be, could be a, a you know, backpack nuke. It could be a, a number of different scenarios. Could be a pandemic, a real pandemic with a real bio, you know, um, bio agent that affects millions of people based on genetics. They've been working on it. They've been messaging it. They want to get this treaty done so they can start pushing more vaccines. They can hit us with all of these things at once. So I think there's a number of different avenues, but I don't think it's fully baked. Because if it was fully baked, the messaging would be different. They would be playing up the messaging right now to say that there's this disease that's coming out of China. It's really bad, just like they did with COVID, right? It took them a month to build it up from February to March. There's a lot of mixed messaging in there because some of the B team was was saying the wrong things. But the messaging was built up over a month, and then they did the whole, COVID's here. It's terrible. We have to stop everything. This time, it'll be an event, and they're going to want to blame somebody for it so they can galvanize the public. So, yeah, I Zen, I think it's going to be financial, too, all at the same time. There's going to be, I think there's going to be logistical, I think there's going to be financial, and I think there's going to be food shortages as well. Because remember, what's the instinct? They want to make us dependent on their system of control. They want to make it so bad that people flock to their system of control willingly. And they have to they have to craft an event that number one scares the shit out of everybody in the country so that they can 
they can drive you like cattle into one outcome. That's what they want. So I, I see them doing multiple things at the same time. I So Willie, my view of the Tucker interview and the less reaction to it is, remember, you always have controlled opposition and controlled narrative. That's controlled opposition. You notice how they're not talking about the fact that Putin said all of these things. They're not talking about any of that. The rhetoric is all around Tucker went to to sit with one of our enemies. That's that's all they're talking about. They're not talking about any of the rest of that. It's all about he went over there and talked to our enemy and Putin's the worst guy in the world. He's Satan. We should we should go, you know, attack Russia directly now. It's all it's all narrative. There's no real opposition. There's no real talking points around why that was a bad thing. There's no real talking points around this is what Putin said that isn't real. The only people that came out and said anything about what Putin did or didn't say were the Brits. And nobody gives a fuck about what the Brits think. If I see another milk toast British guy, especially a historian, trying to tell me what's real and what's not real about history, I'm just going to turn them off. Because most of them are like the guys from Stratfor and the guys from the Rand and all the other eggheads in those think tanks. They all have their narrative that they play. They've all rewritten history. Nobody gives a shit what they think anymore. I definitely don't give a fuck what they think, especially the Brits. As far as I'm concerned, the British monarchy needs to die. It needs, like all the rest of the monarchies, they all need to die and go away. They've done more damage, not just to not just to our country, but they've done more damage to Europe, even as a placeholder, than if they were just gone. At least if they were gone, there wouldn't be this nonsense around God save the queen. No, they killed their own queen, and now they have an egghead that's that's in his in her place, and nobody likes him either. So just get rid of them. Move on. Oh, sorry. That that whole monarchy piece. Part of that the traditional peace and the colonialism that came out of the monarchies has lasted 300 years and it needs to die. This, the, the, the peace that is going to be the second and third order effects of what Putin said about colonialism is going to be, it's going to last for decades. You know, Matt Bracken said something that I, that I really appreciate in an interview he did. Um, it was good. It's called coffee and a mic. And uh, the guys here in Arizona, I'd never seen it before, but Matt was on his show. And Matt talked about sometimes it, it takes decades for change to occur, and sometimes decades ha change in a day, and something to that effect. And I thought that was a very, very um, salient point, because all in one day, all these things happened. And he, he outlined the fact that the Putin interview happened that the president was basically thrown to the wolves because of his cognitive. And then the report by the special counsel came out all in one day. That's a decade's worth of, of news all in one day. And Putin at the same time talked about how the monarchies and colonialism have died. And he's spot on. You know, the, the British quote unquote empire before World War I, the British had the biggest navy in the, on the planet. And even at the start of World War II, they had one of the biggest navies on the planet. 
And now they've contracted basically back to their home island. And that to me is the next order of battle that needs to happen. Colonialism needs to die. And countries need to be able to control their own destiny, control their own their own borders. But I think at the same time that that happens, we're going to see a certain number of nation states go away and be replaced by regions. Because a lot of these borders that have been drawn over the last 150 years are constructs of British colonialism. And, you know, Iraq is one of them. Iraq, Israel, they're all constructs of British colonialism that were basically designed on a napkin in the city of London and then put onto a map. And look at how well that's played out. In every case where a fictitious border has been drawn, there's been conflict. And I don't see that going away just because a specific empire goes away or colonialism goes away. I see that being the impetus for specific regions. And I don't say that because of history. I say that because of my experience in Iraq. The one thing I learned when I got on the ground is that all of the history books that I read, all of the country studies I read, all of the cultural studies that I read about Iraq before I went there were all grossly wrong, grossly. And when I started to interact with the Kurds, with the Arabs, and with the with especially with the sheikhs, a sheikh is a tribal leader, and everything on the ground in the Middle East is tribe, and then religion, and then political affiliation. And political affiliation is the is the lowest priority. The tribe is first, and then your religion. And they don't look at public property the way we do. They don't look at systems the way we do. And when you when I finally got educated to that, I saw just how drastic our cultures were and just how drastic our view of the world was. We, you know, Americans are short-sighted. Europe, I could say Europeans are short-sighted too, because we're very myopic in the way we look at the world. The the rest of the world has a deep understanding of their history, a deep understanding of their region. And we do not. We we look at everything from a superficial level. And it hinders our ability to interact with the rest of the world. And when you when you take that that view and you add colonialism to it, you can understand why we have that view. We were indoctrinated in this colonialist view for decades. And after World War II, we became the colonialists. I mean, we were prior to World War II, but we were really the lead after World War II. And now that that colonial, the colonialist nation, colonialist nation is China. They have done exactly what we did after World War II. They've gone around, they've bought mineral rights, they've, they've, they've put their bases, they put their people in strategic points around the world. They control the, the sea lines of communication. They control strategic lines of communication. They control choke points. And they're building more and more bases as we speak. The only way the world actually levels out is when colonialism dies. And I could be wrong about that. And, I, and you know, I'm open to debate. But the point is, is we're seeing and Putin pronounced it dead. And we'll see what happens now. But you can see the signs of our entire civilization collapsing right now. And 
it's an architect of deconstruction of our society. The narratives I've seen for the last 10 years, especially since 2001, have been all about deconstructing our society, deconstructing the Constitution, deconstructing education, deconstructing religion, deconstructing the nuclear family, deconstructing all of our our um, ideals as a nation, and most importantly, indoctrinating kids. You're seeing more and more, and that's that's why I've said several times. You know, and people lost their minds when I talked about homeschooling versus versus public schools. And I was trying to make the point that there's trade-offs to both. And what you what you you know lack in one, you get the opposite in the other, and sometimes you get a full force. Education, especially public schools, they're indoctrination centers for the left. And they've been highly subsidized and supported by the Chinese. They've infiltrated every single part of our society. And they're deconstructing the not just patriotic Americans, but they're deconstructing our belief system through education. And they've been doing it for decades. And most people are, are blissfully unaware of that. They don't care. And that brings me to religion. Look at how corrupted religion has been, especially Christianity, by all of these external influences. Look at how many churches and pastors took money during COVID to promote something that is fundamentally ideologically wrong. That is that is the bellwether for how corrupt our society has become. And you see it play out in commercials. You see it play out in a lot of the um, the the, uh, the videos that are coming out that are showing all these random acts of violence. Again, a lot of these 15-second videos don't have any context. But what it shows is it shows the moral fabric of our society being deconstructed, and people don't understand why they're acting irrationally. They're acting irrationally because the social guardrails that we used to hold so dearly have been completely bred out of younger generations. The, the, the concept of privacy is so different for a 20-something than it is for somebody in my age of 50. The, the concept of what it means to be a, a, a citizen in this country is so drastically different. And the concept of just work is so drastically different. And what's important, and our view of work is so different. And you can't even have that conversation with the younger generations. They just don't get it. And they've changed the way we teach math, the way we teach. We don't even teach civics. We don't really teach history. We don't teach any kind of, um, you know, they used to call it home economics. And how many people can even read an analog clock? There's, you'd be surprised at how many people in our society can't read an analog clock. All of those things matter because what it shows you is how long the deconstruction efforts have gone on. When you when you talk about it, and I've talked about influencing ad nauseum, but it, it bears repeating because this influencing operation that we're seeing reach a culmination point right now has been going on for decades. It's It didn't just start today. Cancel culture didn't just start when Trump came to office. It started before 2001 and 
ramped up after 9-11. And every single message that they've replayed in a different format, all that stuff started after 9-11. I mean, think about it. All of those, all those narratives after 9-11, you're not with us, you're with the terrorists. If you're if you're not supporting this bill, then you're you're not supporting the American soldiers on the ground. I mean, if you're not supporting this bill, you're not supporting our efforts to defeat the Russians in Ukraine. It's the same shit. It's just repackaged a different way. But all of that started way back in 2001. The Patriot Act was the first step towards the police state. It was completely unnecessary. It was completely overkill. And it was completely put in place long before 9-11 ever occurred. It was written. It was approved. And it was just a formality. Just like the January 6th nonsense. All of that was planned out. Look at Look at how many people that are sitting in Congress right now that are still pushing that narrative that January 6th was an insurrection. All of those things started way back when. But we don't do, as a society, half the things we used to do. We don't even teach them anymore. Like, I was helping helping my girlfriend, Ken, last night. And I haven't done that since I was a kid. And it was actually fun. But how many people can do that? It's, it's It's an art that's being relearned. Like when I was in school, I did wood shop, I did metal shop, I did all that stuff. Not because I had to, but because I wanted to learn that. And just like when I got out of the military, you know, I had three things I wanted to do. One was I wanted to go fly and do, and do you know, fly to different parts of the U.S. and do that without having to touch an airline. And then when I left the military, one of the things that stuck in my craw about being in the military is I understood how to fire a firearm, but I didn't know anything about repairing it, taking it apart, any of that. And that's why I went and I got uh, a a gunsmith degree because I wanted to figure that out and I I wanted to learn how to do that. And if you've listened to Troop and you've listened to the things he's done, I mean, the guy basically volunteered in a a high-end restaurant to be a a chef because he wanted to figure it out. That's what America used to be. I grew up. With parents that told me, if you stop learning, if you stop trying to challenge yourself, then you are not adding to society. You should always be a big L learner your whole life. My dad drilled it into my head. And this is a guy that was a meat cutter. But this is a guy that would sit down and you read the Encyclopedia Britannica end to end and then went through and marked it up and did research to figure out how much of it was true how much of it was inflated, and how much of it was just nonsense. And our whole society was taught to critically think and to do strive to do better. That was the, Our whole education was, was about critical thinking. My whole, college, my whole college experience was instructors beating into our head that critical thinking, you need to critically think and need to be critical of everything you see from our government. Now it's just blindly follow along and trust everything we say because we have your best interest and we're very interested in your safety. The narratives have shifted completely to deconstructionists. 
And my point of all of this is that when you get all of these messages in this influencing operation that's been going on for so long, it shouldn't be a surprise that the moral fiber of our country is breaking down slowly but surely. And we're seeing more and more people going off the, the reservation. And that's only going to get worse over the next several months. The thing that the thing that's important now is knowing who's in your in your area, knowing who's in, who belongs in your in your neighborhood, who doesn't belong in your neighborhood. And you get eyes on everybody that doesn't belong in your neighborhood. And you expect the unexpected. And is this is a hard concept for anybody to really grasp. And the only way I can describe it is when you go in theater, you have this, this false sense of security. And this false sense of security is that you're going to be around other troops, so you're always going to be somewhat safe. You're always going to have cover. And when you go outside the wire and you realize that that's, that's a facade that you've built up in your head to manage your fear and to manage your, your you know, basically the unknown, then you start to accept the, the reality of what you walked into. And it, it took me a while to get used to the fact that guys would strap themselves to a bomb and drive into a building or drive into another car or drive into a crowded market and blow themselves up. It took a very long time for me to get that, to get that unexpected thought process in my head. It took even longer to, to accept the fact that they staged guys on over on, you know, on uh, overpasses to throw grenades into our Humvees while vehicles were trying to go after the lead vehicle on the other side. You learn it really quick, but it takes a long time to accept that that's really happening and that these people are really that evil. The first thing that everybody needs to understand at this critical moment in time is number one, expect the unexpected. These people are truly fucking evil. They will kill millions of people without a second thought. And it, they are sociopaths and psychopaths that are running our country. Our, our system of governance attracts sociopaths because they're attracted to the power and to the influence that goes with the office. That's always been a constant. And that's always been managed by a law enforcement branch that had a very, very strong tendency to uphold the law. The moment that those institutions were corrupted is when everybody started going off the reservation. And the evil has perpetuated and perpetuated and perpetuated which is why these people are capable of just about anything. And they will do just about anything to stay in power. And that's not the people we've imported. The people that we have imported, these are people that will drill out your fucking eyeballs because you don't believe in Allah. These people will burn you to death with a blowtorch and torture you just because they can they will shoot you in the head to take a Coke out of your hand if they are thirsty. That's the level that we brought into this country, which is why it's so important right now to be prepared as much as you can be and expect the unexpected. 
this you're not watching a circus. You are watching the demise of a system that's needed to die for over 100 years. And this system has got to collapse before we can rebuild something better. And we're going to be in the middle of a fight when we're doing that. We're going to be deporting people. We're going to be fighting, fighting our enemies. We're going to be dealing with starvation and sickness and logistical issues all at the same time. I can't emphasize enough that all of the things you're seeing should galvanize you to be as prepared as you possibly can. Because what's coming is going to be completely unexpected. And people aren't ready for the unexpected. I mean, look at how many snowflakes are riding my ass because I fucking swear too fucking much on the fucking show. It's unbelievable. And at at the other side of the fence, you have the snowflakes that I just want to hear positive information. That's not fucking real. Live in the real fucking world. Because in the real world, bad things happen to good people for no reason. And if you start looking at it the way you should look at it, which is these things can happen to me, then you won't be surprised and you won't go into shock when it happens to you. And all of these all of these narratives that you're seeing from the, the regime, they're all designed to distract, divide, and disorient you. That's all they're, that's all they're there for. They're not there for anything else. It's all about distraction, division, derision. They want you to be alone. They want you to be helpless. And they want you to be fearful. That's why I say, take the fear out of it. Take the emotion out of it. And look at it from an objective place. The more these people suffer losses, the more desperate they're going to become. And right now, the one thing we as a people need to do is remember who we are. And remember what we are. I've said that before. I'll keep saying it. Remember who we are. People come to this country because they want to be one of us. They want to be who we are. And, you know, we as a country look back to World War II and the greatest generation. And, and we keep looking backwards. We need to start looking forward and look at what kind of a world do we want to live in? What kind of a planet do we want it to be when all the dust settles? And how do we want to interact with one another? I, I could tell you this political correctness bullshit washed off to me, washed off of me day one. And more importantly, the gender, the the sexuality, the transgender, the transhumanist, you know. When you fuck with human nature and you fuck with mother nature, she fucks back. And it doesn't work out well. And they've already messed with mother nature. It's just a matter of time before the pendulum swings the other way. And we're seeing that real time right now. But as we move forward, no matter what, what occurs, what the event is or events, it doesn't matter. What matters is how we respond to it. How we as a people respond to what's coming. How we as a people 
communicate and treat each other once that happens. And how we as a people decide we want to be when we move out of this. And that's why I've told, you know, about six months ago, I said, visualize the kind of world you want to live in. Now's the time to do that too. Here's the world I want to live in. I want to live in a world where our borders are sovereign. Our, our country is ruled by people who understand and believe in selfless service. I want to be in a community where people are not worried about stuff. They're not trying to outdo each other. They're not trying to be special. They're trying to contribute to the greater community and society in whatever capacity they can do that in. I want to go to a store where I don't have to sift through 17,000 boxes of cereal to figure out what kind of fucking cereal I want to eat. Five, six, that's, that's way better than a whole aisle full of boxes that all say pretty much the same thing. I want to eat food that's healthy. I want to go out and not have to spend $1,000 to eat dinner. I want to be able to worship the God that I believe in without a bunch of people telling me what I should believe in. And most importantly, I want reporters to actually do their fucking jobs and report on what's going on without bias, without malice, and without control from a few very, very rich people. That's just a few of the things. And most importantly, I want to live out the remainder of my life and I want to talk wrong to my grandkids. I want to play tricks on my grandkids. I want to spend my life with somebody that I really care about and enjoy the remaining years of my life. It's not a lot to it. You know, we've been bred to think that if you live a quiet, boring life, you're doing something wrong. You need more stuff. You need notoriety. You need all these things to be happy. No, you don't. I could walk the fuck away from this tomorrow and not feel bad about it. In fact, I would love to do that because it means I could spend more time with the people I care about. We've lost our way. It's up to us now to guide everybody back to somewhere in the middle and to give people leadership in the midst of chaos. Because you're gonna see people lose their minds when all this kicks off because they really don't even know how to respond. It's going to be us, the voice of reason, that have been preparing for this for years to say, calm down, here's what we're going to do. That's all of you. And when this is all over, it's going to be all of us to sit down and hash it out. But here's the difference. The difference moving forward when we get to that point is we're going to close the door. We're going to throw fucking plates at each other. And then we're going to walk out all on the same page, whatever that is. We're going to figure out what that is. We're going to figure out what the middle ground is. And then we're going to go do that as a community. Not going to have these sock, these pockets and silos of anarchists and these, these leftist retards that need to derail everything so they can feel special. Fuck them. We're going to push them out of our society. Because if we don't, we're going to be right back where we are now. And then the other thing is we're going to put accountability measures in place 
so that when people step out of line, it's a real deterrent. And I mean a real deterrent. Where if you take money from a foreign adversary, you get popped on national TV. If you take money from an oligarch and you influence legislation so that it benefits a company or a person, guess what? You go to prison and then you get hung. Real deterrence. And it's going to take five or six decades for that to permeate into society to the point where it's a real deterrent. And I think prisons are useless. Prisons are just holding cells for people to go out and reoffend. I think what's what's needed is quick quick trials with quick results that people can see and quick accountability. Like I said, we got a lot of things to rebuild. But the point I'm trying to make is now's the time to start getting prepared and visualizing what kind of world you want to live in because we're going to have to build it. And there's a lot, there's a lot ahead of us. But I'm not scared of that. Bring it. I'm just bring the rain. Let's go. Let's get on with it. Because that's where I'm at. And I and I'm not I'm not worried about a bulk of the population that's the virtue signaling morons, because most of them took the jab, they're gonna be dead anyway. It's gonna be us that's that was smart enough to say no and retain our moral compass when all this kicked off. Be that person in your community. Be that person in your family. Be that leader. Now's the time. We'll be back on Thursday this week at 4 o'clock Pacific, 7 o'clock Eastern, and 5 o'clock Arizona races time. And not sure who's going to be on the panel this week. I know there's going to be at least four of us. May have some others. I'm uh, going to give everybody a break on Valentine's Day, but uh, we'll probably do two hours again. That seems to be the right number when we get everybody online, and it seems to be that uh, that's the right the right amount of time for everybody to get a get their thoughts in. And um, this week we'll we'll probably talk more about expect the unexpected because I'm going to have Troop talk about that. Probably have Matt talk about that. We'll talk about it again. But remember, cut the fear out. You got nothing to be scared of. There's more of us. And we have the moral high ground. God bless everyone. One team, one fight.